0: As I read through the the psalm that was read to us, I felt like in many ways we could read that and be done the The words, the poetry are just so meaningful in the way Nan Merrill writes this there 's a legend about a servant whose master died and left him a bag full of blessings, along with a note saying that the bag would always remain full as long as the servant remembered four powerful words. The servant began using the blessings which filled the bag. It was not long, however, until the bag was almost empty, but the servant couldn't remember the four powerful words. He decided to go to a wise man, and the wise man suggested that the four words were, I wish I had... I wish I had this, I wish I had that. The servant tried using these words and thought of all the things that he wanted, but the bag was not replenished and the servant became concerned. He decided to approach a stranger on the street and share his story. The stranger suggested that the powerful words are, Give me some more. So the servant continued his journey and kept saying, Give me some more. Give me some more. But now the bag was nearly empty. In despair, he sat down and took a piece of bread from his pack and began to eat it. A hungry child, alone and in desperate need, approached him and asked the servant for the bread. Without even thinking about it, the servant gave the child his bread Before the child ate the bread, he folded his hands and said a blessing. I thank you, Lord. The servant's eyes lit up and he began shouting, that's it, that is it. Those are the four powerful words. I thank you, Lord. And the bag was replenished with many blessings. The writer in our scripture today, Psalm 145, has not forgotten the many ways God's blessings were poured out on him and the people of Israel. As one reads through the psalm, the poetry reflects God's active work in the life of the writer when at the same time the writer was experiencing difficult life situations. The depth of God's activity in the writer's life seems to transcend all the physical, emotional, mental, and the crisis that he was encountering at that time. Psalm 145 seems to convey a theology that's steeped in historic reflection, communal experience, and God's very gracious character. Where do we see traces of God's goodness and God's activity in the experiences in our lives as we look back at our history, either personally or congregationally? How do we understand God in this faith community? Are we able to see God's gracious character in the midst of some current questions, uncertainty, distrust, grief, pain or disappointment can you can we like the psalmist continue to praise god with four powerful words we thank you lord i invite you as we move on into the into the thoughts i want to share to consider three very simple, very practical ways we might live out these, this phrase, we thank you, Lord. The first practical way is simply to count your blessings. I so want to break out in song, the old song that we used to sing, Count Your Many Blessings. I don't believe the act of counting our blessings was meant to be something we do only in November around Thanksgiving. I believe this should be a daily act of gratitude for God's work and goodness within us and around us. Psychologist Juliana Breens wrote an article on gratitude where she noted that over the past two decades, much of the scientific research on happiness can be boiled down to one main prescription, give thanks. Happiness is related to a sense of gratitude. Along with Breen's, other psychologists also believe that intentionally developing a grateful outlook on life helps to see good things in our lives and realize that many of these good things are true gifts. It was noted that by making gratitude a habit... We can begin to change the emotional tone of our lives, creating more space for joy and connection with others. I'm going to repeat that. Making gratitude a habit. We can begin to change the emotional tone of our lives, creating more space for joy and connection with others. If happiness is related to a sense of gratitude, how do we increase this awareness? It's been suggested that counting 3 blessings every day helps to increase this. As people of God, how what might we be impacted or changed by naming 3 blessings from our day every day? Where do we see God's glory? And work and activity in the happenings of our lives. How are we impacted by God's gracious love and grace? Or maybe we don't see it. How in the midst of busyness and chaos do we recognize God? As in verse 17 of the psalm that says, How do we recognize God working toward the wholeness of Of humanity. That's what God's all about. Do we believe God wants us to enjoy with gratitude what God created and provided for us? There's an old Jewish proverb that says, at judgment we will be held accountable for every blessing we refused to enjoy. What blessings are you grateful for this morning? Count your blessings. Name them one by one. I'm going to give you one minute to just reflect on three things you're grateful for this morning. Just ponder them within. We don't need to say them out. What are you thankful for this morning? The second practical way we might live out the words, we thank you, Lord, is in the practice of turning inward. I love this verse in the psalm that says, um, uh, where is it? Oh, each generation must learn anew about silence and the wisdom of turning inward. Each generation must learn that. The writer obviously had life experiences that pulled him and others away from the creator, away from feeling gratitude for what God was doing and who God was in their lives. In reading Psalm 145 this past week, many, many times, I began to see this connection between outward gratitude and inward gratitude. I like the idea of listing three items of blessings, of gratitude every day. It would be a good discipline. But what if I am not sensing or feeling gratitude? What if I feel pretty overwhelmed by life? What if I'm feeling anger and resentment or fear? What if I just really can't think of anything to be thankful for? If that's how I'm feeling, then a gratitude list is just that, a list. What meaning is there in saying, I thank you, Lord? How is our outward gratitude impacted by our inward gratitude? Verse 3 calls us to childlike wonder. And to the healing balm of forgiveness. Verse 16 invites us to open our inner ears with spiritual eyes and to trust. About a month ago, I found myself at a place of desolation. Because of a situation I found myself in. I was miserable. I was unhappy. I was upset. The strut. The situation just felt frustrating, unfair, hopeless, and on top of that, I wasn't in control of it. I felt disappointed with myself and with others around me. I found that that situation was occupying my every waking moment, and I was not sleeping very well at night. I admit, I was in a funk. Might even call myself a jerk. I did find one friend who felt the same way as me, and boy, was it fun to talk to her. (laughs) My feelings were empowered and inflamed by her agreement with me. This thing, this situation was consuming my life, and I felt justified. I knew this little bird was saying I needed to do some personal internal work, but I wanted to keep this fire alive. I was not interested in counting my blessings. What was there to be thankful for in this situation? There were no blessings. As we have all likely experienced at one time or another, God didn't intervention. God's gracious character began gently nudging me to thinking about how my attitude was impacting my gratitude. But it took three nudges. Nudge one happened when my two granddaughters were with me for a day, and we did all kinds of things. We read, we have tea parties, and today we raked a big pile of leaves for them to jump in. It was a warm, beautiful fall day. The cool air felt invigorating. It was a sheer delight to watch my granddaughters jump in that pile of leaves, and the physical exertion of raking just actually felt good. I even found myself expressing gratitude for all of this. And I realized for the first time in over a week, I hadn't thought about the situation for a few hours, and it actually felt okay. Nudge two happened that evening when I had dinner with two friends who I meet with monthly. It was not, I wasn't real eager to meet with them because I wasn't sure how much I wanted to really share how I was doing. But when they asked, I felt a freedom to share about the experience. Their listening and asking good questions was a true gift to me. While we were not at the same place, they could identify with my experience of desolation and shared some very wise counsel. I went home feeling grateful, and I actually slept that night. Nudge three happened when I got to the office the next morning. I was caught by a written statement that was on my bulletin board in front of my computer but had not read it for a long time. It's written by Christopher Friedrich Blumhart, and it reads like this. There remains a precious jewel in every person which is stronger than any outward pressure on our lives. It remains firm, unbreakable, and sacred even though in those who feel that they are lost in their rottenness no matter how badly they have ruined their lives the jewel remains in them it is as certain as that god was reconciling the world to himself in jesus christ there is something in each person that will never be lost something that always always can be resurrected. This, my friends, is the gospel. These nudges began to change me. I was slowly being changed by God's undeserved love and grace. I felt a new inner gratitude for the new sense of joy and peace I felt. I could breathe again. I began to let go of the fight and the need to be in control. I also realized that, let's be frank, I was the only one being hurt by holding on to the grudge and nurturing the situation. Does it mean that I no longer feel disappointment and pain and some anger? No, I continue to struggle and probably will do so for a while. But I could not continue to live resentful and grateful at the same time. Working with Psalm 145 has opened me to a new understanding that my praise is cheap and it's hollow when I hold within me strong feelings of resentment, distrust, anger, and unforgiveness. Is it possible to live resentfully and gratefully at the same time? It's easy to despair and grow hopeless or anxious in this life. Those feelings don't always grow out of doubt in the goodness of God or disbelief in the greatness of God. But if we don't live with a sense of awe before God, it's easy for resentment and hopelessness to creep in. And what impact does that have on us personally and congregationally? Again, the psalmist invites us into a healing balm of forgiveness. To rebuild the soul of the world with radical trust, love, and wonder. Just going to pause for a few moments and invite you to reflect on situations that may be hindering your gratitude. The third practical way we might live out the words we thank you, Lord, is actually expressing our thanks. If I had a dollar bill for every time I meant to share a word of thanks to someone for something they said or did, I would be rich. But too often I feel too busy or I want to get on to the next thing I'm doing and I never express that thanks I'm grateful for and blessed by people who take time to write notes or speak words of gratitude for something they've appreciated. These people serve as good reminders that gratitude results from action, not just feeling. God is blessed in the same way with our gratitude in words and actions. Gratitude is more than speaking words. The words of the psalm are beautifully written and have deep meaning, but how do we put them into action? How do we put hands and feet to this psalm? The writer has a number of suggestions, and you might want to go through the psalm at some point and note this. We're invited to reconnect to the great mystery, to follow the voice of truth, to embrace with childlike wonder, to forgive to move toward holiness and wholeness, to recall the abundant blessings of God's grace, to not fear, to trust even in the midst of chaos, to speak with blessing and gratitude. Active gratitude brings with it an awareness of who we are. All that we are and all that we have are gifts from a generous, loving God. And we're invited to look and recognize God's goodness in the people and situations around us. Who are the people in your life or in this congregation who inspire you? In whom have you seen the goodness of Christ? Who has been a blessing to you? Who has served as God's hands, feet, and heart in your life? Who have you been Christ to? Kingdom people are talking people. So express thanks to those that you see that you are aware of the goodness of God. And the psalmist also talks in verse 4 about the importance of passing on what we have learned about God to a new generation. In the book, One Generation Shall Praise Your Works to Another, John Piper reminds us of this responsibility. And I quote, Every generation of Christian must see that the next generation hears about the mighty acts of God. God does not drop a new Bible from heaven on every generation. God intends that the older generation will teach the newer generation to read and think and trust and obey. End quote. This passing on is more than simply transferring information. How are we demonstrating gratitude and love for the truth? How is a new generation seeing us praise God with passion? How are we extending an invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good? Is Psalm 145 a grandiose, pious embellishment Or is there something concrete, historic, and global for us to sing about to a new generation and to the community around us? In conclusion, there is a tension in this psalm. It's a tension of love and goodness with a real lived life. That's sometimes difficult. And it's going to be a tension from wherever we are in the season of life until we no longer breathe here. Psalm 145 provides a glimpse of hope. The psalm moves us from hollow praise to recall specific and meaningful accounts of God's goodness and reminds us of God's ongoing compassion towards us. Living from a perspective of gratitude, our hearts remain open to the Spirit's influence. May we be grateful for God's goodness in our lives, goodness that displaces fears and dissatisfaction. I love the way the psalmist concludes in verse 21 with a logical response to God's goodness God's greatness, God's sovereignty, and God's sustaining grace. When I speak, let it be of blessing and gratitude. Let God's glory within me shine out to the world. We thank you, Lord. Amen.